people who choose youth work are truly amazing individuals. These are people who care so deeply for our young people and have a real passion for service. My name is Paul Munir. I'm the executive director of YIPA, and I'll interview some of these youth workers from around the globe, and we'll figure out just what makes them tick and drives their passion. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi, everybody. We're joined by Richard Coffey from Minnesota in the United States for this episode. Richard, thanks for being a guest on The Passionate Youth Worker. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really cool to have you. I'm eager to get to know you a little bit better. And you are the program director at 180 Degrees. Just real briefly, uh, Richard, will you tell us what your role is at 180 Degrees? What do you do day in and day out there? For sure. So we, we have nine programs at 180 Degrees. We have, some, we have shelters and um, we also have um, programs that we have with different counties. And my role is to oversee all of those programs, making sure they are operating properly, making sure uh, the managers in each one of those programs have the tools and things that are necessary um, that they need to run a successful programs. We, you know, we meet up, we meet about policies and procedures, protocols. There's always situations that come up that we have to discuss. So I am kind of the guy that oversees all of that to just make sure everything flows well. Got it. So it sounds like you're pretty busy because I know you got a number of different programs, a lot of issues coming up with COVID and everything. I, I bet you're in high demand trying to so, uh, problem solve things these days. It's been super busy, especially with COVID and especially now with the second wave of COVID hitting Minnesota pretty hard. It's been, it's been a super busy time for us. I bet, yeah. Richard, I'd like to explore a little bit about how you ended up at 180 degrees. Um, you know, over the years, I've gotten to know you. We've had coffee and we've spoken a little bit, but I never really did understand how you went from playing in the NBA and playing yeah. in Europe. And I for watched sure. you grow up as a Minnesota Gopher and the Final sure. Four. How, how, what is your path like to end up at 180 degrees in, in the field of youth work? How did you get here? That, that's a good question. It, start, it started in high school, actually, when I, I was really blessed to, um, my, my mother and father were, uh, they were servants in our community the entire time my, my siblings and I grew up. Hmm. You know, I, I can't ever remember a time where we didn't have someone living in my house with, that wasn't my, my blood relative, whether it was my sister's friend who, whose house burnt down and you know, she came to live with us or my my brother's friend who both parents were alcoholics and he just needed a safe place to go. You know, they ended up on our doorstep because my parents, and then it was one of the two of the people in the neighborhood that would always take these individuals in. So I've had people in my house and, and uh, all the time when I was a child and, and we just, I come from a very servant and giving background. And as I processed through life through the military and then playing, in college and professional basketball, my I started off in in sales, in corporate sales, and I did really well. But you know, my mother would always ask me a question as a child, and she did uh, as an adult until she passed away. And that question would be, "Who did you help today?" Hmm. She asked me that question. She ended every conversation that her and I ever had with that question, "Who did you help today?" And and you know, I I, I started thinking about that more and more as I got to be an adult. And when you were in sales, you're you're really just focusing on your sales and your family. And it's kind of it can be a kind of a selfish industry. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to get into a uh, 
an industry where I was actually giving back to my community and, and, and where I can do some where I can do some good for my community, just not for just not doing good for my household. So I started looking at nonprofits. I started looking at schools, and I just wanted to provide a service to to my community. And that's that's when I decided to 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 get into nonprofit work. Wow, your mom sounds like a great person. And think about if we had every young person growing up uh, with a, a parent or a caregiver, uh, giving that message to them every day. Who did you help today? What, how different the world would be if, oh, if we could just give that message to all young people. It was a blessing. It was, it was a blessing to have her as a mother and, and to have my father as a father. My siblings and I are, are truly blessed to have those, to have had those two in our lives. Yeah, well, where do you think that came from? I mean, I, I, I don't want to go dig too deep yeah, into sure, your history, sure. but I mean, were your parents just altruistic people? Or did, you know, I, I just think, you know, back, you know, when, when I grew up, you know, growing up in the 50s and the 60s or the, the 40s and the 50s for my parents, it yeah. was just a, a, the community was stronger. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and people from, you know, people from the African-American community really pulled together and, I, and, they, and they kept that. You know, so when they when they branched off and start having raising their uh, their own family, creating their own family, they they instilled that into us. And I I remember several times just my you know my father, you know taking presents, some of my presents from under the Christmas tree, and and giving them to some of my friends that he knew wasn't going to have Christmas. And so really? he, they they were they were really consistent at teaching us those lessons of giving, um, and and to try to give more than you receive, and. Um, and that's a hard lesson when you're growing up because as a kid, you just want to <laughs> yeah. take, 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 take. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it stuck with most, most of my siblings and I, I should say. I'm not going to say all of us, but it stuck with most of us. And it's really important to me, you know, the work that I do now, it's really important to me that when I leave work every day, I can, I can say to myself that I, I help somebody. But I, can, I, I also know that I'm honoring my mother and my father at the same time, because that was such a big part of their lives. Wow, what a cool thing to say, Richard, is that um, what they instilled with you is as you're carrying that forward, you're, you're paying it yeah. forward. A good example of, you know, we hear pay it forward, but you just described, you're kind of committed your career to uh, living out the lessons that they taught you. And, and um, I just think that's super cool. Well, thank you, I, I love it. I, I'm super passionate about it and I, I, I love, I just love it. it, it it fulfills me with hope and, and happiness every single day. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I remember hearing you talk. You've, you've given some keynote speeches for us at a, a number of things. And you talked about your dad was pretty stern, I think, um, yes. and pretty direct yes. with you. Yes. And what kind of impact did that have on you, too? So your mother was just full of empathy, and your dad sure. was full of grit and determination, it sounded like. It was, it was, it was a great combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I love my father for that because I just remember him I remember, you know, playing on the basketball team and he was at every game and he was super supportive and he, you know, he built me a hoop in the backyard and you know, we had a huge backyard. I mean, my backyard was the size of two football fields. I had a, he, we had a little small football field, we had a small baseball field and he built me a, a hoop, basketball hoop in the backyard. So, you know, everyone came to my house for, for recreation, my friends, but, you know, my, my father was, he was also super strict. Um, you know, we, my, my brothers and I, we had to cut the grass every Saturday morning before we left the house. And it was, it took hours. Like you could not go nowhere until the grass was cut. That was one of my, our chores, but he was also super loving. 
and he was super caring of other people. And he really just wanted us to understand that some of the blessings that we had coming up. And although we, you know, I know my parents for sure, we were a family that lived check to check. Um, and, and my parents worked really hard. And, but they always made sure that we didn't feel like we were better than other people. And I can remember, I, I remember my, my picture being on the front page when I was probably a, a sophomore in high school, my picture been on the front page of the newspaper uh, from, from winning a basketball game and hitting the last second shot. And they had this great picture of me on the front page and my father bring the picture into him and he said, hey, you know, congratulations, nice picture. I said, hey, thanks. And he said, I, but I do need you to understand that you're no better than the kid down the street that didn't make the team. So he, they, they constantly drove that into us. And, you know, and, and, and the work ethic that you had to have grown up in my household, you had to carry your own weight. And, and you, have to, you had to do your part. And in the summertime, you know, my parents didn't buy my school clothes. They probably couldn't afford to. I had to work. Mm-hmm. As soon as you're old enough to work, you got to get a job so you can work in the summer, so you can buy your school clothes for the next year. So I grew up with those values and, and it was a part of our family and, and it was an expectation. And it was also an expectation to, uh, to as you became an adult, to, to, to live right and do the right thing and be honest and be productive. And, and that, a lot of that came from my dad because he was a, he was a super well-respected man in a little small town that I come from. And, and it was important to him that he instilled in us how to become productive citizens. Wow, that's a that's a great story, and it um, it sounds like what made the whole thing work was there's just this deep level of of love and respect for everybody. I think um, regardless if you're firm, because you can be firm and strict, and if you don't love somebody, it's not going to work very well, oh, right? You mean you had it's to you had work. to know your dad all these oh, things he sure. was doing was for your benefit, and you never oh, questioned sure. that, I, right? Oh, for sure. I remember sitting on the bench with the varsity, and I was not playing, and he was. He would come down and sit behind me. He would sneak me chocolate candy on the bench. So, I, <laughs> I mean, if, <laughs> so no, it, it, he, he was amazing that he was amazing at being able to discipline you when you needed to be disciplined. Yeah. But also putting his arm around you and kissing you on the cheek when, when you needed to be loved. And I, 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 I would never forget him for that. Isn't that cool? I love those stories of masculinity where like tough and rough guys uh, are not afraid to show love. I mean, I think that, I think that's so important to our, our children and our young people growing up is that, you know, showing love and compassion and encouragement is not a sign of weakness in a guy at all. Uh, It's not because my father, my my father was, was super strict, but I'm telling you those kisses on the forehead that he gave me when I was coming up as a kid, I, I, I took them for granted. Right. Until you get a little older and truly understand. Yeah. And, and then you start having kids yourself and, and you realize the, the love and the compassion that it takes to raise to raise a successful young person. Um, I mean, their lessons, their lessons really. I actually wrote a poem about my father and in the poem. It said if I could one of the verses said if I could be half the father that he was to me, um, then, you know, I. I'll be successful, right? And and I, I really mean that. Like he he was he was amazing to our family. He was a rock. Richard, you uh, really took those lessons from your childhood and, and and built your character around them. And I know you have your own kids, and they're grown up and they're adults. But can you tell me a little bit about how 
what you learned from your parents and how you try to instill that goal forward and be half the dad you was? I mean, how did that play for, out for, in, in your uh, family, your immediate For sure. You know, you know, one thing I learned from my parents that, I, that actually I had to relearn when I had kids and my, and, my, and, and my kids really, my kids had a big part in teaching me how to be a parent, a good parent. Because I think, I look back at my father and my mom and how they raised us. And, you know, they raised us according to our personalities. Like, yeah, of course we all had chores and we all had expectations and standards that they wanted to us to, you know, that they expected from us. And that was, that was for all of us. But, you know, the approach that they took with some of my, with two of my sisters, mm-hmm. sometimes was a different approach than they took with me or one of my brothers mm. and vice versa. So they, and, and I did that, and I learned that with my kids. I, you know, I have three kids, Sydney, Nia, and Amir, and they're all different. And their personalities are all different. You know, I know Sydney, you know, Sydney is a, you know, she's a, she's a thinker and she wants to, she needs to process a little longer. So when you talk to her, you have to give her time to process what, what the conversation is. Sure. Nia, was more, Nia was more like me, Nia, Nia is super aggressive. You know, you can, <clears throat> you can have straight, strict conversations with Nia and she'll, She'll nod her head and say, yes, I got it. And they'll move forward. Then my son, Amir, sometimes when things happen with Amir, you just, you couldn't say anything to him. You just let him process. Mm-hmm. And then he, when he's ready, he'll come in here to, and he'll say, hey, dad. He'll come around, yeah. Situation. Yeah. And, then, and, and I think parents really get into, you know, and, and the, the biggest thing that I've learned is they're not me. Mm-hmm. Their personality is different than mine. So it's, 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 it's my job as the leader of the family, not to, not to instill my personality, but to figure out what their personalities are and help parent them through, through how their personality is because they receive it better. And even in my father's strictness, he did that with my brothers and I. You know, he knew I was a kind of a laid back, you know, kid that, you know, I, you know, I, I was just laid back. I was always scared to get in trouble and, you know, the, you know, I just, I was, I was a pretty safe kid. My brother was different. <laughs> you know, He's he, the he wild was, guy. Yeah, he was a wild guy, man. <laughs> and and my, my father parented us differently. And, and, it, and it worked out for both of us. Um, and he, as a matter of fact, one of my brothers and I, Ray, we talk about it all the time, how, how, how dad parented us differently, but, it, but he parented us both the right way. And I, I, I try to instill, you know, those values in my kid and I, I listen to them. I know, I know as a parent, you can say no or yes, but if you really take time to listen to your child and listen to what, what they are going through in their story and have them, have them be a part of the decision, it, it creates a really strong adult. Richard, we're going to just take a little break, but when we come back, I would like to talk to you about all these lessons that you've learned and you instilled in your own personal life and how that plays out directly in your work and and the young people that are served at 180 degrees. So we'll be back in just a minute and explore those uh, ideas. Awesome. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by YIPA has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy to access exceptional trainings. 
From our blogs to our podcasts, The Professional Youth Worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are just $99 for individuals and only $250 for your entire organization. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. And we're back with Richard Coffey, who is the program director at 180 Degrees. Richard, before the break, we were diving into your personal life and your uh, childhood. It was all fascinating stuff. But I'm wondering now, how does all that play out in your day-to-day kind of work with the team members that you coach, um, with the young people you probably end up uh, interacting with from time to time? How do you instill what you learned into other people? Well, I I think, especially in our society, honesty has, you know, Honesty is a thing that has kind of <laughs> fell to the wayside yeah. in our society. But um, one thing is just to be honest. And, and I try to be honest and, and open with my, with my teammates here at, at 180 degrees. And, and I oversee, you know, I, I have a, whether through the managers that report to me and, and the individuals that report to them, I oversee a lot of people here. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't like using the word boss. Mm-hmm. Because boss is a word to me that's a negative word. Um, I prefer leader, and I and I prefer to call my um, the individuals that work with me my teammates. Um, and when I am out in the public, if there's if one of my teammates are with me, you'll never hear me say this person works for me. You'll hear me say this is one of my teammates. We work together, and that you know that type of messaging sends a lot of good chemistry, builds a lot of good chemistry through people that you work with and that you share your everyday with. So those things are important to me. And I, and I believe, I, I believe in, in surrounding yourself with strong people um, and not, and not being afraid of that. I, I know some people are afraid to surround themselves with other strong individuals, but I think it, I think that's a sign of a good leader. I mean, we all have weaknesses and things that we're working on. I definitely have a ton of those, but I, I, I look to surround myself with people that are strong in those areas. And then I give them the ability to lead in those areas. And I don't get offended or afraid when they do. I give them the space to do that because that actually creates a stronger team. I know what my role is on the team. And I try to find the other individuals that are strong in those areas so that we can have build a good, solid team. And in listening, like listening to your teammates and giving them a voice that they can be heard and, and, and a voice that they understand when they come up with a good solution that that you're you're not so into yourself that you won't use that solution and and honestly i love giving credit like i just think it's so important to give credit like if i I, several times if if one of my teammates come up with a a good solution and then i have to take it back to the directors or to a different team i always say hey you know mary came up with this idea and i wanted to pass along to everybody because i want to make sure people are getting their credit when credit is due i really like how uh, easily use call everybody teammates because I do think that's important in the field of youth work is because we all share the common goal of trying to help our young people 
you know, develop uh, their skills and talents because we know they all have them. And it's just a matter of, of bearing, you know, breaking down some of the barriers and getting some confidence built up and, yeah. and giving them the opportunities to do some of the things we know they can do. And that is a team effort. And sure. it's refreshing to hear you say that just so, so uh, easily. And, and I'm wondering, like, with that comes a lot of trust, though, Richard. Um, as, a, as a person who's in a, a leadership role within your organization, you have to have a lot of trust that the people below you are going to do what they need to do. And they have to trust you that they can, you're a reliable source that they can go back to and, and know that if Richard says this is going to happen, it's going to happen. For or sure. if I do this, I'm going to be treated the, the way that I expected to. For so sure. the, the whole trust component, can you talk a little bit about that? And as, as, especially as it relates to team, because I know sure. playing in the NBA, I'm just tapping yeah. into that a little bit. Yeah, for it sounds sure. like you're talking about the Timberwolves team when you talk like yeah. this. You know, yeah. everybody's got their yeah. own role. Everybody has their own role. And, and trust, is, tr- trust is extremely important because, you know, I have to, I have to create an environment where, one, they, 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 they need to understand that if you fail, you're not going to be punished for that. Mm-hmm. Because we all, have, we all fail. Failure is not our enemy, actually. You know, failure can be a, a great coach and a great teacher if we, if we process it the correct, direct way. So I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of failure. Um, but I want people to be open enough to me and trust enough that when, when we do fail in the area that we can get together and talk about it and come up with solutions. And that they're not going to be chastised or they're not going to get in trouble. As long as we're all working hard and we're working towards the same goal, we all going to have successes and we all going to have failures. And we, when we run into those failures, let's, let's work together as a team and come up with a solution for that. And, and, and I really worked really hard to try to take the fear out of all of the relationships that I'm in. Because fear stops us from doing a lot of things and it stops us from being successful. Huh. And I, remember, I remember growing up as an elementary uh, elementary school person where I was, I was always afraid to raise my hand in class, not because of the teacher, but because of what people would think of me, right? Mm-hmm. The fear of me asking a, a, a dumb question and people laughing at me. I used to be so fearful of that. And I had to find a way to get, up, to get over my fears. And, I, and, I, and then I realized one day, the more that I focused on, and I realized this in high school, the more that I focused on my fear, the more fear I had what also comes along with the fear, what goes away with your fear, is the more fear you have, the less courage you have. So I wanted to be more courageous. So I, I started asking those questions and stepping out, not even knowing what the, what the conclusion would be, but just trusting that I would be okay, that my, that my courageousness would guide me through like every area in my life, and it has. Uh, you know, my courageousness has, has guided me through every single area. And I, you know, people use the word confidence a lot. Confidence is a good thing to have, but confidence doesn't come right away. It's confidence doesn't stay. It depends on the situation. Some situations, your confidence might leave you, but your courage will always be with you in every situation that you're in. And if we can start tapping into our courage and in the personal power that we have, we can all be good teammates. And, and also, you know, I, this just happened. I was in a furniture store the other day Mm-hmm. And I, I was buying a piece of furniture and the, there was a lady dealing with another rep from the furniture store and she was returning something and, and she had a really negative attitude. And, and the way that she was talking to this employee at the furniture store, it really made me feel bad for the employee 
And I didn't say this, but I really wanted to say this. I wanted to look at the lady and say, hey, why don't you try speaking to her the way that you would love for her to speak to you? Right? If we just did that, yeah. like in our failures or successes or our angers or our setbacks, if we just spoke to each other the way that we want to be spoken to, like that's a really simple lesson that we somehow in this country have gotten away from. You don't have to agree with me. We can always agree to disagree, but as we are doing that, let's be respectful whether you agree with me or not, whether you voted like I did or not, whether you believe in what I believe in or not, you know, let's be respectful of each other so that we can uh, work together and try to make, in this situation, in the field that we're in, work together to try to serve the youth, the adults that we are serving because we are a big part of their lives and we have to realize that. Yeah, there's so much you just said there that I'd love to explore. But one of the things that you talked about, courage and fear, and how they go hand in hand. And sometimes I think that that's one of the things youth workers have to do when they work with young people, is help young people get past their fear. Yeah. Sometimes their fears are real, right? They live in dangerous situations, people are exploiting them, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. But there's also a lot of fear that just from not being able to trust other people who really could help them. For sure. And how, how do you go about encouraging other youth workers to be courageous and, and to have those tough conversations with young people? You know, I, I think we, we first have to go into this knowing that um, this is tough work. Mm -hmm. it's, it's super tough work. It and, is, yes. And, 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 and you're going to have some success and you're going to have some failures. And, 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 and it's easy to take this work home with you. Um, and never and never focus on self-care for yourself. So those things are given with everyone that works in this in, 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 in the industry that we work in. But I think we just have to, you know, I, I think we have to go through every day with the, with the hope that we're going to get through to an individual, even if we didn't get through the person yesterday, even if, the, even if yesterday the person may have used some foul language in talking to us or, or may have called us out of our name, even that person, we have to approach that person with, with sympathy and empathy. Um, and, and, and it's not an, an understanding that that person, like in our industry, most of the people that we deal with has had some type of trauma. Yeah. And we all deal with our trauma in different ways. Um, and when you, when you don't have the support um, or the family background or the family back and you feel like you're alone, you may deal with your trauma in a super negative way, but it's our job to help them process through that. And honestly, if you can just, like, I focus on love. I, I believe in every situation. I, I truly believe in every situation that love will always overcome hate. And even in situations where hate seems to be prevailing, I, at the end of the day, I think love will overcome that. So when I'm dealing with people, I just deal with everyone with love. I deal with everyone on my job with love. I deal with people that I meet out in the community with love. I, you know, the other day I, I was in, I was, you know, three months ago, I was pulling in a parking space and the guy was pulling in. We pulled in at the same time. I thought I was there before he did, but he was a little angry about it. So I backed out and I went and found the parking space 10 spots down. And, he, and I was in the grocery store and he saw me. He said, hey, man, I, you know, I apologize for that, but, you know, I'm just in a hurry. Blah, blah. I said, hey, I found one 10 spots. We, we, it's all good. I mean, just love. 
Now, can you imagine that situation if he was angry and I was angry and then we start fighting over a parking space? <laughs> but that's what happens, though. And it happens every day, Richard. It happens every day. Yeah. But I just deal with every situation in love. And I, and I try to give. Again, I try to give more than I receive. So in that situation, I gave him the parking space without a problem. And I went and found another one. I think if we, if we had that mind, that concept, and we focus on those things, if we focus on other people more than ourselves, the whole world would be better. Right. The, the whole world would be better. But unfortunately, we have been trained to focus just on ourselves and we have become a me society. And it's pretty sad. Yeah, I think that's the the people in the field of youth work that are really high level functioning youth workers that have a major impact on the young people understand what you just said really well, that it is is very little to do with them and everything to do with the young people that they're working with, right? They're, they have to give up that parking spot a million yeah. times with that young person yeah. to build that trust and to build that yeah. relationship with yeah. them. And it has nothing to do with their ego or their own issues that they may not have resolved. It's all, you right. gotta pour everything into that young person right. when you're working right. with them. And not everybody can do that. It's a hard thing to do. I, I have to admit, you know, like that's, a, that's such a high calling, Richard, to hear you talk about love and to hear you talk about compassion and giving, I mean, that's, that's what all the major religions are, you know, say that that's sure. how you get close to whatever you consider For your sure. God to be, sure. is sure. your ability to see your neighbor For as sure. equal as you see yourself. And that's, sure. that is so hard to do. But I think that's what we do in youth work, right? I mean, I, I, for sure. I mean, if, if you're in youth work, you have to have some compassion <laughs> about who you are as a person. Because like I said in the beginning, it's a very difficult industry to be in. But I, I, I do want I, I, I do want to say this, like, regardless what experience you are having from day to day, the people that you are serving, even when they don't realize this, and a lot of times they may not realize it at the time, but they need you. They need you as a worker. They need you in their lives because a lot of times you are the only individual that's trying to assist them in getting to their next level or getting them to a safe place or getting them housing or getting them food or getting them services that, they're, that they need. And they might not always show that they, that, that they respect that and appreciate that, but they need you. So continue to do what you do because you're needed. And, and you have to have a certain amount of compassion and love for individuals if you're gonna work in this field. I love to hear stuff like that. Uh, I, I loved, I, I, you know, it's funny, like Richard, I've been in this field for a long time. Yeah. And I think like when I first started out, it was almost taboo to be able to say you need to talk about love and you need to show that kind of compassion. Not the love that you have for your, you know, same as your spouse or your child, but there is a level of love that goes into this. And I think when I was trained as a psychologist, I think that would have been shunned upon if I would have talked about yeah. that. Yeah. And and it's it's wonderful to see how how much more people are willing to talk about that because at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I think that um, when I had the opportunity to interview so many different people over the years and, and talk to different people, and no matter if you're in a mentoring program or a mental health program or a job training program, at the end of the day, you're just building relationships. That's, and it, it all boils down to relationships. And if you can't show that love and compassion, you maybe should be in sales, you know, uh, like yeah, you were saying. Right, yeah. no, for sure. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, I, I, I truly believe that 99.9% .9 of us, we want the same thing. 
we want to be healthy. We want to have, we want to find some happiness. We want our family to be healthy and happy. And, and we want to live a long life and, and, and die of a ripe old age, I, I yeah. think is what most of us want. Yeah. And we go about getting that or trying to achieve that in different ways. But at the end of the day, we're more, we're more alike than we are different. And I think if we, if we can just as a people, if we can just focus on our likes our, more than we focus on our differences, it'll just be, I mean, it'll just be a better place to live. And if we can truly understand that the, even the individuals that we serve, we have more in common with them than not. Mm-hmm. And they, may be, they may be going through a tough time or their life may have been different. And I'm blessed. I, I feel so blessed to have lived the life that I have lived, to have, a, to have a two-parent household that I grew up in, siblings that love me. I've been blessed to have different experiences through my, through my adult life in different industries and and, and, and even blessed to be working with a team of leaders that I work with at 180 degrees. I mean, we have an amazing team that starts with our leader, Dan Farr, and then uh, Gurma and, and the other directors. We have an amazing team here. And it's, it's a pleasure to come to work every day. And it's, it's, it's actually a blessing to work for an organization like 180 degrees. Richard, we're nearing the end of our time together. But before we go, I would like to just have you offer some words of wisdom or inspiration for our listeners. Um, kick them off on a high note, if you would, please. For sure. Well, first, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's in this industry and the service work that you're doing. It's, it's so super and extremely important to the success of the individuals that we are serving. And, but also, I want you to make sure that you are you're focusing on your self-care as well. Because a lot of times in this industry, you can you can get bogged down and it gets stressful. So make sure you are creating that little space where there's a little space in your house that you can go and find some serenity or your bedroom or your couch downstairs, or maybe even listen to music on the way home in a car, but find your, find your happy place that you can experience a piece, of, a piece of that every day as well. And then just always, like, when there's always hope. Like, I love the word hope. You know, because there, there's always hope for everyone that we work with, even in the toughest days that you have or the toughest client that you have, there's still, there's hope for that individual. And, and I thank you for continuing to work with even your toughest clients and helping them and assisting them to get to their next level of success. Richard, it's been great having you a guest and also getting to know you a little bit uh, I just want to thank you for uh, the work that you're doing there. Uh, I know you're having a positive impact and I know you're doing great things to help people. So I I really um, thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And thank you to all the listeners out there, no matter where you are or what kind of youth work you do, we know that you are giving it everything you have to change the lives of young people and doing it day in and day out And we're grateful for the work that you do as well. So keep up the good work and and just remember that you are changing lives in your work. And for that, you should be happy that you have the chance to do that. I'm Paul Munir. Thanks for listening. And if you like this podcast, um, please subscribe to it wherever you found us. And if you have feedback for us, whether it's positive or negative, just let us know. We'd love to know how we can make the Uh, episodes a little bit better. You can find us just by going to yippa.org and uh, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening. Have a nice day.
If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. Just visit us at training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org and click on the podcast tab and send us your information. This podcast is made possible in part due to the generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Benier. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker. Thank you.